0: The Houston Cougars and the Texas Longhorns join together for what's going to be a fun reliving of the Southwest Conference Days matchup, or at least we're hoping to have some fun. You try to have some fun? Fun? Jonathan, have fun? Fun? Ready? Let's jump on Should into be fun. it. <laughs> you are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to a crossover edition of Locked on Cougs and Locked on Longhorns. I'm one of your hosts, Parker Rangers and I'm joined by Jonathan Davis of Locked on Longhorns. Jonathan, how are you doing? We're recording the evening. How are you doing this evening?
1: Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm looking at the game. You know, we have a little uh, Houston Astros, Texas Rangers robbery going on right now. As I'm looking at this, recording this, we are down five to two. So hopefully by the time you hear this, Texas <laughs> made a miraculous comeback and we're up 3-0 in the ALCS.
0: I will say this is a Houston versus Texas week in a number of different <laughs> ways <laughs> for sure. Um, obviously, this matchup this weekend, Houston versus UT, uh, I guess y- y'all are probably saying Texas versus Houston. It's an old Southwest Conference rivalry Um our listeners might remember that more. I full disclosure, I was born in nineteen ninety one. Jonathan, what you're, and I think you you look younger than I. I actually don't know how old you are. Um, what do you have you heard about the Southwest Conference days in this matchup? Because this is somewhat of a rivalry.
1: You know, I, I was born in 93, so I am indeed younger than you. And, you know, I will say that from older fans, you know, this was a game that meant something, I think, to Houston fans and Texas fans. Uh, it's gotten so long that we've gotten away from it that I don't know if it has the same appeal this weekend, especially when you look at the point spread. But this certainly was a game, you know, back in the day that Houston fans and Texas fans got up for and I think was really competitive between the two teams. So hopefully uh, uh, they can debunk the, the point spread put out by FanDuel <laughs> 22 and a half points and. Uh, get the pads popping on Saturday And we can have a good game
0: Hoping to get some pads popping um, We're just going to yo-yo back and forth folks I, uh, But I do want to ask you Jonathan So like to put in perspective People have joked about like Houston could have gone 1-11 and this year If the one win were Texas I mean because the only year they're in the same conference um, With Texas going to the SEC next year It means a lot to folks in Houston Like it, it would have been great Now they know Texas is good I think England's like lying to themselves about that What does this week mean to Texas? They're in a very different spot. They still have national title aspirations. They're coming off of a loss. It's been about 10 days at this point. What's the thought in Austin?
1: So I I think this is a bigger game now that you did lose to Oklahoma, right? I think, you know, this could have been potentially a trap game. If you beat your rival, you come off a bye week, you're not, you're kind of coasting. You feel like you got through the toughest, you know, teams on your schedule in Texas, I mean, Alabama and Oklahoma. But now this has to be a get right game, right? You have to prove that you're still a Big 12 championship contender. You have to prove that you're still a college football playoff and national championship contender. And unfortunately, Houston is the team in your way this weekend, coming off that loss to Oklahoma. So, you know, I think this is a huge, you know, game for Texas this weekend because they lost to Oklahoma and they have to, you know, get back right, right? And they've had that feeling in their mouth for about two weeks now. So, um, you know, they have a chance to, you know, get back on the football field for the first time since that loss to Oklahoma. And I expect them to show out and show up and show out on Saturday.
0: I, I listen to your show as a rivalry. I frankly really like the rivalry a lot. Um, I, I yeah. joked that I wish Houston had someone that they would meet halfway and have a stadium half full. Like all the atmosphere is great. Right. Yeah. Um, in that game, it looked like Oklahoma took advantage of some things. Um not that Houston has thing necessarily, like, they don't have the 350-pound linemen and stuff, but what did you notice that, like, scares you? What, like, holes in Texas did Oklahoma expose, maybe even if they fixed them by now, in that weekend?
1: Yeah, well, I, I think they, for the first time all year, really make when you were uncomfortable. You know, we saw that maybe in the Wyoming game, but I don't think they made him uncomfortable. He was just missing throws. We saw the turnovers, uh, you know, missing reads really kind of in the first quarter. And then after that, um, he was able to get back right. But three turnovers is three turnovers. Right. And he had that crucial fumble. Um, Another one is the red zone issues. Right. And when you look at this Texas offense, statistically, they've been really good top 15 in terms of yards, top 30 in terms of scoring. But they're down in the 100s in terms of scoring touchdowns in the red zone. And. I mean, there's no better way to expose that than stopping them on the one-yard line four straight (laughs) times, right? So um, you talk about what Oklahoma exposed for sure. I think they exposed um – You know, if you can get to Quinn Ewers and rattle him a little bit, he still can be a little bit turnover prone. I guess as we saw on Saturday, uh, they exposed our red zone offense, which has been a problem all year. And I think you saw when Dylan Gabriel drove down the field in 71 seconds to win the game that, you know, this is a defense that's been really good through six weeks. But, you know, if you can put some pressure on them and limit that pass rush, you can make some plays in the passing game. And, you know, Donovan Smith, who we'll talk about in a little bit, he – you know, was able to beat Texas last year. So, you know, I think if you have a dual threat quarterback, Dylan Gabriel ran for 113 yards, you certainly can put some pressure on this Texas defense. But we've talked about Texas enough, and we'll talk about Texas a little bit more, right? Let's talk about the University of Houston, right? We talked about what happened the last time Texas took the field. I want to talk about the last time Houston took the field, right? On October 12th, Houston led West Virginia 21-17 going into the fourth quarter, and then the magic happened. So tell me, what were your thoughts Watching that fourth quarter between Houston and West Virginia, that ended with a Hail Mary touchdown for the Cougs to win their third game of the season.
0: So third game of the season, Houston is the first new Big 12 team to beat an old Big 12 team. I guess I was reminded West Virginia is not that old of a Big 12 team, but um felt great. I have to say Houston goes up 11 at one point in that, in that fourth quarter. Uh, I believe it was 35. 2017. To, yeah, it, the, 2017, then they both scored, to so ends up being – 35 to 24 at one point. Um, And I'm thinking we got it. It's like seven and a half minutes left. You're up 11 points, right? Um, And frankly, West Virginia is not a pass-heavy offense. Of course, they proceeded to pass very well against us very, very quickly. Um, And then honestly, it felt like when West Virginia scored with 12 seconds left, it's like, God, we blew it, right? Like like we had it. We had it where we wanted. This is Dana's old school, right? Like we had it, and we thought we blew it. And frankly, it felt like we blew it because we outplayed them for most of the game. Um, only to then turn around and, and in the final 12 seconds, they had like a little eight yard out route to like cut the distance down some, and then ultimately throw a Hail Mary. Um, the Hail Mary was a great place. The classic throw it to the six, four guy. He tips the ball back to the sh- uh, short speedy guy to Boogie Johnson, Boogie Johnson's an Oklahoma state transfer, a, a guy that's played some big 12 football before. Um, great, great story. Great, great kid, but really exciting to, to way to end it on a weeknight. night. Frankly, it made Saturday really easy and fun, man. <laughs> because yeah, you got no. your win out the way Thursday night. We talked about it Friday.
1: And we were good to go, right? Like, that was it. Yeah. That the, the ideal scenario. And as we're talking, Yordan is up with the bases loaded. I'm trying not to. <laughs> I'm trying my heart is
0: Speaking of ideal scenario.
1: Of, <laughs> yeah, my, heart is, my heart is bursting out of my chest as I'm, I'm talking on this <laughs> podcast right now. You talked about how Texas will feel coming into this weekend, coming off of a loss. We saw the point spread, 22 and a half points. You know, obviously, there's really nobody outside of a small part of Houston, right? <laughs> Maybe third ward that's expecting Houston to win this game. But how do you think the Cougars feel coming into this game off of a dramatic win like that do you think they come in with a ton of confidence and they say hey this is a home game for us you know we put our you know shoes and pads on just like Texas does we can go out and win this game do you think that's the feeling in the locker room i, I think they've got the confidence for it for a number of reasons
0: uh, to start right i think that Dana Holgerson's got a winning record against Texas as a head coach from his time in West Virginia i was the one Sarkeesian. that was a very different Texas is a very down decade for Texas i don't mean to say it's the exact same situation but like he's confident right and then Donovan Smith, you mentioned from a year ago. Donovan Smith had probably his best game as a college football player against Texas a year ago while he was at Texas Tech. Um, he ultimately ends up losing the starting job later um, and, and comes to Houston for games like these. He wanted to continue to play in the Big 12. Um, they have a reason to be confident. They have, I mentioned Boogie Johnson's a Big 12 transfer receiver, but Joseph Manjack, the guy that tipped it, is a USC transfer receiver. Like They've got guys that have played big-time college football before. Um, I think the interesting thing will be, and you're, I mean, you're in the city yourself. Um, How much of that stadium really feels like a home field advantage? It's been kind of the un- underspoken thing. Houston actually ended up having a seventh home game this year. Uh, and then if you count Rice being a team game in town, they actually played eight games in the city of Houston on their schedule. Um, But the fear has been that, you know, there are a lot of Texas alums in town and what will this game look like? How many orange shirts versus red shirts, et cetera. Um, with a true home field advantage, I think that they they really do feel like they have a chance to upset the world. And I don't mean to to be pejorative here. Texas has shown in the last 15 years, like, they let these kinds of games happen, right? They they have lost games that they should win a lot in the last 15 years. And um I I I, I almost wish, frankly, that they had beaten Oklahoma, like you're saying, because I feel like they'd be more likely. Of, but I think that they're talking themselves into, like, why not us, right? Why not us? We've seen these kinds of things happen in the past. Donna Smith's like, I did this in the past. Right. Um, Now, speaking of winning and losing over the weekend, if you are the kind of person that wants to, like, you know, maybe help yourself feel good over the course of the weekend or, or, you know, hedge your bets a little bit, let's say, make sure you head over to fanduel.com and use promo code locked on. Cause right now, new customers get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed if you place a $5 bet. $200 back in bonus bets, win or lose. If thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to join in on the action. Jonathan, the line for this game is 22 and a half. I will say, I think it's me closer than that. Um, 22 and a half is a lot of points. Can we talk about one team we might agree on? That's the Houston Texans, because in NFL weekend, NFL kind of drives a lot of these things. The Texans are only a three-point favorite on the road against Carolina. That seems silly to me, man. What do you think about that one?
1: I definitely would hammer, (laughs) hammer. The Texans minus three on that one. Uh, The Carolina Panthers, the only winless team in the NFL right now. C.J. Stroud has looked really good, looking like the best uh, rookie quarterback. Obviously, you know, prayers up. Hopefully, uh, Anthony Richardson makes a strong recovery. Uh, But, yes, I I, I think that the the Texans with that defense and the way C.J. Stroud is playing, and my boy Tank Dale on my fantasy team, shout out U of H, you know what I'm saying? I I think they win by more than three (laughs) points for sure.
0: Yeah. And like you mentioned, uh, C.J. Stroud is not just looking good for a rookie quarterback. He's looking good for a quarterback quarterback. I mean, he's really, really talented. Texans have it rolling. I'm saying go to fanduel.com. I'm saying go put some money on the Texans and maybe hedge your motions with this weekend for whichever side you're rooting for to make sure you can get some winning, uh, get some cash on Sunday. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Fanduel, an official partner of the NFL. So, Jonathan, um, I mentioned that i would have liked almost for oklahoma to have blown it uh, maybe not throwing that final touchdown pass or what have you right just to, to, to because I, I feel like it'd be easy to sneak up on this texas team um texas though and i mentioned in the past in the pre-sarkeesian days frankly they'd lose games they shouldn't texas hasn't had that game this year where like they come out sluggish and slow that i can tell right i guess rice has ended up looking, I think, better than people realized in the first week of the know. season.
1: Tex- Texas fans would tell you going into the fourth quarter, tied 10-10 with Wyoming, is looking sluggish and slow. Now, so, you know they do say when you play Bama that you feel it for two weeks. So maybe that's what it was. <laughs> but I, but well, I think that was the game, right? You so Wyoming, Wyoming know, fourth quarter.
0: Wyoming counts then, because that's what I was going to ask. Is Wyoming has ended up being? There's something like five and one, and their one losses to Texas. They beat Texas Tech. Does that count as the slow start? Is that the game you're talking about as far as like we got that game out of our system? Do you feel that way as a Texas fan?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because when you come into the season, like I said, with the expectations you have, right, a championship contender in some form or fashion, big 12 college football playoff national championship contender, you just should not be tied 10, 10 with Wyoming going into the fourth quarter with less than a hundred passing yards for Quinn Ewers, And even you know, with that 40-yard touchdown he ended up with to Xavier Worthy, he still didn't have a spectacular day. So, you know, you can look at it, you know, after the fact and say, oh, they won by, you know – 20 points or whatever it was they scored over 30 they took care of business but like I said when you can go beat Bama the week before when you can show the discipline to not commit penalties and go into a road environment like that against the goat Nick Saban with 100,000 people rooting against you and win that game the way that you did then you should be able to come out and dominate uh, Wyoming the next week so you know like you said in the past this could have been a trap game right a bye you beat your rival you overlook Houston and the next thing you know it's a tight game going into the fourth quarter luckily they had that wake-up call two weeks ago and now like I said Houston uh has to deal with them but if Houston has any room for confidence it's at the quarterback position because last year Texas did beat uh this Texas team and Donovan Smith was one of the biggest reasons why right with his arm and his legs and Joey McGuire just going batshit crazy you know going for it on a fourth downs right so you know maybe Dana Hogerson has that in his bag this week right Dana Donovan Smith 1,797 yards and 17 touchdowns this season. Like I said, Houston is three and three. And and what was their win total coming into the season? I remember we talked about it. Like they only had to win four the, games to cover over right? under Something is four like and a
0: half. Yeah, so four and a half. Oh, it's four and a half. Okay, yeah, so have to win
1: five. They'll win two more. But but I <laughs> want to ask you, what is Donovan Smith meant to this offense this season? And what type of game do you expect him to have on Saturday? Maybe a better question is, what type of game does he need to have to beat the Texas Longhorns two years in a row? So. Honestly, I love and
0: I have loved the growth of Donovan Smith. I think some people – so they came out and played UTSA week one. I think UTSA is better than people realize, better than people talk about typically, right? Um, And they put up, like, two touchdowns. And for like, okay, we had a Big 12 quarterback, we didn't score two touchdowns. It's a very different system than McGuire ran at Tech. Um, He's very much been adjusting. But, like, the second half against Rice, they reeled off 35 – they lost a game, but they reeled off 35 unanswered points, right? Um, And then in the second half, I guess – into the second quarter in the second half against West Virginia, he throws 16 straight completions, including the Hail Mary to win the game, right? Like theoretically he's shown development, shown improvements. Obviously every college quarterback is flawed. And obviously there's a reason he didn't win this ultimately win the starting job at Texas tech. Um, I will say my fear coming into the season was he threw a lot of picks at Texas tech. And this year, to avoid throwing those picks, he's kind of holding on to the ball a little bit, right? And I think that's just the yin and yang of it. But I really have enjoyed his growth as a quarterback, and I think the big thing for me has been he's taking what the defense gives him a lot better now. He's taking the short throws. He's taking the short stick routes, checking it down, and just letting his athletes make plays. And frankly, to beat Texas, playing sound football like that, like knowing when to check it down, knowing when to throw it out of bounds, knowing when to take a sack versus throwing it away, those are all important decisions because you can't you can't give Texas extra possessions, right? That offense is too strong, um, and so I I've liked where that's going. What do you remember about? I mean, you saw him a year ago. What scares him on your side? What well, scares I would you just say. Here?
1: Yeah, just that dual threat. Like I said, Dylan Gabriel ran for 113 yards. You were able to do a really good job against Jalen Milrow, right? You thought that he would be the one that would run all over you. And of course, you didn't have to face uh, Jalen Daniels dealing with that back injury. So, you know, I think that would just be, you know, um, what would scare me this weekend uh, against uh, Donovan Smith, right? Is that he should, if he's playing a great game, have the answer to all the questions, right? It's hard to take away everything from a dual threat quarterback. If he's on with his passes and he's on with his legs, how do you take away both at the same time? So if, if he's making the right decision, making the right reads, taking off, you know, when there's nothing there, you know, not going broke, taking a profit, picking up first downs with his legs, really putting pressure on that Texas defense, driving down the field, you know, um, challenging our depth. Right. You know, making them defend, uh, you know, 80 yards, 90 yards on the field, long play drives. And I, I think that's the way for, you know, uh, Houston to beat Texas. You talked about how every quarterback is in college is flawed, maybe besides Michael Penix, Jr. Right. <laughs> um, and, and so, uh, you know, who's leading the Heisman race right now. And so, you know, I think that in a game like this where you're a twenty two and a half point underdog the quarterback is always the equalizer if donovan smith like he did last year can come out and have the game of his life houston certainly can keep this game closer than 23 points but we're talking about defense and the houston one is not good right i looked up the stats and 107th in scoring defense allowing 31.3 yards per game 116th in total defense allowing 429 yards per game this texas offense has had struggles in the red zone but between the 20s, they're elite. So what does this Houston defense need to do to stop this Texas offense in Quinn Ewers on Saturday?
0: <laughs> well, I almost joked about it. we said in the red zone. I guess it's like maybe we just let him get to the 25. And see what yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think the real deal has been, um, and it was interesting that West Virginia didn't happen this way. You know, we we started and I love Dot Nwanko, Jadozé Nwanko played a great game against West Virginia. He's a really good football player. Um He's a 295 pound nose tackle, right? Like, like at the end of the day, like it, it is a game where size matters, and I think that we've seen you, you see your eyes open up, you're bugging out, like 295
1: at, pound nose tackle.
0: Hey, he's a, he's all everything wrestler, man. Like, I, I'm not fighting him anytime soon. Um, <laughs> but I think the deal is as you see teams wear through it because it takes so like the energy and like like the like playing 70 plays as a 295 pound nose tackle in the Big 12 takes a lot more energy than it does to be a 350 pound nose tackle, right and to do that like you start going to your depth and the houston depth gets really young real fast and so you see over the course of the game like texas tech houston's playing well in the first half second half they just wear down right you saw it against tcu in the first half it was close was a seven point game at halftime against tcu second half tcu opens it up right um that depth is key so frankly helping yourself out by getting off the field Feels really, really important. Houston's had and fourth a handful of turnovers uh, in the secondary, like a handful of picks. Mike Fleming leading the way there, um, but obviously there's some aspect of um, you know if you're going for turnovers and picks, you're gambling some. And if the ball goes past your head on those picks, you got a problem. Um, I do like our pass rush. Nelson sees is really good. I mentioned Dot and Wankle. He's a really good nose tackle. He's just not very big. Um, I like our pass rush. I like our guys. We're just we're just not as deep as some of these teams.
1: Yeah, and you talk about that. You know, Jonathan Brooks starting running back for uh, Houston at this point. The young boy, my boy Josh Young, just hit his second home run of the game. Too bad we're still <laughs> down three runs because when I told you you were done, I was up with the bases loaded earlier, he actually brought two in. So uh, it's 7-4. I'm keeping up with it. You see us maneuvering and looking at the TV. We well, keep, right, keep while we're looking recording. The, the Yeah. Screen. Yeah um Jonathan Brooks you know one of the leading Doak Walker candidates at this point one of the best running backs in the country you know we thought it would be hard to replace Bijan and we just picked right up and you talked about having a 295 uh, pound nose tackle call flood has really emphasized uh those big humans right and I think our (laughs) smallest (laughs) offensive lineman at this point might be 310 pounds (laughs) right so um that's definitely like you said where that you know matchup can be won and You know, I think that if this, you know, Texas offense can, you know, just run the ball and continue to run the way that they have in pretty much almost every game this year, then, like I said, I just think Houston will wear down, you know, after a while, even if it is close in the first half.
0: You mentioned the run game and in a somewhat, I'm hoping for a transition here, uh, you know, B. John Robinson is now making money playing football. And if you are looking to hire people for your team that are going to make the kind of impact that a B. John Robinson has made for, one Atlanta or for I mean Tank Dell in Houston or any of these other guys playing at the next level for money, you gotta make sure you go to LinkedIn.com to find that kind of hire because these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business or pro football franchise. They're not very small. Um, you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, like Bijan or Tank. Uh, that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Now, I don't know if they're Tank Dell or Bijan Robinson fast, but they're pretty darn fast. Again, LinkedIn Jobs you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. Post your job free. Terms and conditions apply. So I do that's not just a segue to talk about LinkedIn. I do want to ask about replacing one B. Jen Robinson because admittedly, you watch them much closer than I do. Like I said, I watch like the I like the Red River rivalry and I watch, you know, like whenever they're on, like I think they're bogey and they played Washington last year. Like, oh yeah, whatever, right? Um, replacing B. John Robinson and getting better at offense seems antithetical to me. How has that happened? <laughs> like what's going on? Like how how do you replace I frankly they had two pro running backs and get better on offense that just doesn't seem real?
1: Yeah, well, I think everybody around him got better. You know, I think coming into this year, you look at Quinn Ewers. He already has matched his touchdown total from last year in four less games. I mean, his completion percentage is up over 10%, I believe. Uh, When you look at Steve Sarkeesian, I think he's doing a better job of managing the game and uh, calling plays. The receiver core has been better, obviously bringing in Adonai Mitchell, a two-time national champion. I always got to make sure I mention that. And then the tight ends are better as well, right? JT Sanders was always a dog in that top three conversation at the position in sports. But Gunnar Helm has really stepped up as a second tight end um and he's been able to make some explosive plays this year what's crazy is our tight end room is averaging 19 yards of reception it's like a travis kelsey type room (laughs) you know they're putting up travis kelsey type numbers right now so i think that everybody around um you know i think everybody around the running back position has been better on offense and that's why they've been really good but certainly uh you know jonathan brooks has been no slouch this year now i do think that we need to find more production from our running back too you talked about roshan johnson being a running back uh you know a fourth round pick last year in the draft and this year, we've been kind of slow, right, between Jaden Blue and Cedric Baxter. Not a lot of production, but, you know, Jonathan Brooks in the passing game has made up for a lot of that, right? So it's hard to replace B. John Robinson, but they've done a good job of that so far. But speaking of replacing, right, coming into the season, Dana Holgerson was on the hot seat, you know, and now the Houston Cougars are three and three. So halfway through the regular season, what is the pulse of the fan base about Dana Hogerson? Do you think he's the coach of the future or is it still a wait and see on a week by week basis? Uh, personally I'm still to wait and see. Uh, I got listeners I can already hear them typing and
0: commenting right now fired I get comments every day ask to fire Dana. Um, I will say that real I think the deal is, is they want the the 1980s days they want to we talk about Southwest Conference to open the show they want to go back to Andre Ware winning being the best team in the state of Texas et cetera and I at least recognize that that's not a light switch way right like it, it takes some time uh, realistically getting to a bowl this year in your first year in the big 12, would be fantastic. I mean, TCU's first year in the Big 12, I've kind of looked at them as a blueprint. They went seven and six after four tremendous years in smaller college football, right? They go seven and six, and then a handful of years later, they're fighting to win the conference, and a handful of years later, they're fighting for a national championship. We don't talk about what happened in the game after that. But um, I will say that, like, in a transfer portal, you could kind of expedite that blueprint a little bit. And kind of like if you get to bowl eligible your first year, you know, it could take a few years, but you can theoretically get there. The ultimate resource being, can you recruit Houston? Um, Right now, the recruiting class 2024 has, the kids that have committed are well-ranked, but there have only been eight commitments. And it looks like there are a bunch of kids waiting and seeing to see what happens over the course of the season. Um, And so I think that adds an extra layer of pressure to Dana, right? Um, I got to (laughs) admit, when West Virginia had their Hail Mary go through the other night, the look on Dana Holgerson's face was that of someone who's about to get fired. And I don't know what's being said behind the scenes, but he looked like I just lost my job. <laughs> like He just like looked like it on his face, and that's a bad, bad look to have. Um, anyway, I I have to say what's interesting to me, though, is every time I talk to someone that's not from Houston, they seem to think Dana's good. <laughs> so I, I, what, what, <laughs> as someone who had to play against him for seven years in the Big 12 when he was at West Virginia, what does Texas think of Dana? Is there any thought about Dana at all on that side?
1: Uh, that we can win this Saturday and, and cover, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't know. If, if there is a thought, that's the thought, right? That, that we can get right this week. That Houston came at the perfect time. For sure. So speaking of that, you know, we're getting to the end of the show. So I'm now going to ask you, Texas minus 22 and a half, the billion dollar question I asked this on every crossover,
0: who wins and who covers? So I've been talking to myself Andy Tucson Houston winning all week. I will say that truthfully, um, I came into the season assuming they'd beat Oklahoma and that Houston could catch him, right? Um, that obviously didn't happen and would make the, the catching them aspect of that a little bit harder. Um, I do think, though, there's a world that Diamond Smith plays lights out again. He played so well in the second half against West Virginia. It feels like just keeping it rolling, you know? Um, I would imagine this is a high-scoring game, and it, frankly, for Houston I have a chance, I feel like it has to be because we're not going to keep that offense in the low-scoring game. Um I I could see this being a game in the 40s that Houston wins. I could see this being a game that's 40 to 20 that Houston does not. I I think 22 and a half is a lot of points though. So for our FanDuel folks, I feel like if you're going there, I feel like I Houston at plus 22, I feel like if you add 22 and a half points to Houston, they're going to win the game. I just don't think it, I don't know how many more but yeah. <laughs> adding 22 and a half to Houston, I feel like it's a, a lot of points. You feel very confident um frankly you'll have big big goals bigger than just this weekend. What do you think when you see 22 and a half?
1: All right, so I'm going to hedge this by saying I've been wrong all season, and this is part of the reason why I stopped gambling, right? It's mates watching sports <laughs> a lot more fun. Imagine if I had money on the Rangers right now and I just watched three straight <laughs> Astros reach base, right, while I'm listening to him talk about Texas maybe slipping yeah, up this weekend. Straighten right? my
0: hat up here, yeah.
1: <laughs> I said that Texas was going to lose to Alabama and Texas beat Bama. I said – that Texas was not gonna cover against Baylor, they covered. I said that Texas was not gonna cover against Kansas, they covered. I said that Texas was gonna cover against Oklahoma, they obviously did not. So I am (laughs) over four on these predictions, right? And zero and three when I pick against Texas in some form or fashion. Texas wins, Texas covers. We lost to our rival. We are fighting for our life, theoretically, right? If a 5-1 and one team could be fighting one for their life. We know that we could not lose another game this season. We have had to deal with that loss for two weeks in one of the biggest rivalries in sports, that bad taste in our mouth. We've been on Twitter listening to Oklahoma fans, the corniest fan base in sports, you know, <laughs> talking about it for the last two weeks. This Texas team is ready to get on the field. They're ready to play. Now, I could be way wrong with my prediction, but I think Texas barely covers, if you can barely cover 22 and a half, 41-17. Texas wins. Texas covers. Your thoughts on my potentially erroneous pre- prediction? I can't go over 5, right? I can't be that bad, right? I can't my, be 0 for 5.
0: My thought is I love that you open with, I've been wrong all year, and I'm picking Texas winning. That was enough for me. That was <laughs> um, Jonathan, you've been talking about the matchup all week, and frankly, Texas football at large all week. Where can people find you and the work you do?
1: Yes, sir. They can find me at Johnzo Ball, like Lonzo Ball on Twitter with the J prayers up. So my brother will see him in 2024, hopefully. Um, and then they can find me at Locked On Horns on Twitter, Locked On Longhorns, wherever uh, you get your podcast. And you can find me at the Big 12 championship game when Texas hopefully beats Oklahoma in the rematch. Now, I will say for Texas fans and Houston fans, if you've made it this far in the show, I meant to say it earlier, but it just didn't flow that way. Our starting right tackle, Kristen Jones, will be on the podcast tomorrow, uh, Locked on Longhorns. Texas fans, of course, you want to check that out, hear from one of the football players, uh, talk about the season, talk about, you know, Houston, the matchup and some other things. But also, Kristen Jones is a Houston area native, right? He's from Cypress. I know so there's going to be some Houston people that coming. Cypress ain't Houston, da-da. you know, he's from, <laughs> he's from the Houston area. So you have a reason to check out Locked on Longhorns tomorrow, too. So, like I said, you can find me at John Zoball on Twitter, Locked on Horns on Twitter, and Locked on Longhorns wherever you get your podcast. Christian Jones, starting right tackle for the Texas Longhorns will be on the show tomorrow. Please check it out.
0: I was going to ask with... Lamella with uh, Lonzo's injury was going to become Jell O ball at some point. But I, I don't
1: <laughs> No. Nah, I'm loyal to the soil. I was watching summer league games when uh when Lonzo got drafted. Like I'm talking about tap D, you know what I mean? So whether his gotcha. knee works or not, you know, I'm not changing, I'm not changing it. Out.
0: Yeah, gotcha. Um my knees don't work, but I'm at the fine There you go. Let, let, <laughs> yeah, I'm at the at where too. they can. Yeah, Let them know where they can <laughs> spam
1: your comments. You know, because you 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 halfway said that that Texas is, I mean, that Texas is going to lose on Saturday. You know, Texas no. fans might be the most arrogant bunch in the country, so they're coming no. for you.
0: Let them know where to find you. <laughs> Completely. and I went to middle school and high school in Austin. Um, I I will say, and I I saw it firsthand. Um, I will say that I'm sticking with my preseason prediction right, and I, I mentioned that like the season's played out a little differently. Um, but I'm at Painsworth, five one two P A I N S W R T H five one two, like Parker Ainsworth and then 512 on all social media handles. Uh, I guess I still call it Twitter. It's mom's call it Twitter. Um, I also, but blue sky, all Instagrams, all of them. Um, Christian Jones, be interesting. Sidewoods Woods is a good program. that mentioned hear from, um, I just pulled him up to see when you were talking, which high school he went to and he's 320. So when talk about undersized guys, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the kind of thing we are talking about with 320 pound, right? tackle. Um, we're going over here. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up, but thank you so much for agreeing to do this again, that the cross things are fun. Um, I wish y'all were in the conference. I'm going to keep doing this more often. We'll talk again in basketball season for sure, right? I mean, those will be fun matchups too.
1: Yes, sir. I can't wait for that. I can't wait for that. I can't wait to see Roddy, Terry and my boys, come down to Houston and hopefully get a win uh, against the Cougs for sure. But now this is super fun. You know, I think this is the second or third time we've done it. And um, hopefully everybody can stay, you know, safe and, and healthy on Saturday and we have a good football game.
0: For sure. All right. Go Cougs, man. Go Cougs.
1: Hook them. <laughs>